ain't ever gonna stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, we will recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night, uh, which saw a big win for Jarzinho Rosenstreich. Also, might have got a little clarity about the 125-pound division with Mohamed Mokhaev. We'll talk more about that. And then it is here, boys, possibly... The biggest card of the year. Maybe even bigger than UFC 300. That's right. This Saturday, we have UFC 299. And we are picking for the whole darn main card. Could have picked for the whole card. I will get some of your guys' picks uh, for the prelims. Although we won't officially be picking. But I do want to get your guys' thoughts on some of them. Um, Yeah. And then as usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys... How are we doing? Episode 173 of the Neon Belly Podcast. Doing well. Doing good. Starting to slowly wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a little late wake night up. episode. You taking like a yeah, I w- nap? I woke up at five this morning. Kid decided to get up early. So mm. on the way here, because it's a late night episode, so this is different for us. Yes, this is. So it took me a second just to readjust. I think actually the slow, like the technical difficulties helped me a little bit. Kind of, yeah. kind of get a little looser, get a little buffer. Yeah. <laughs> so not too bad. Yeah, we were experiencing some hardcore uh, technical difficulties for some reason. Have something to do with John. Uh, seems like everything that typically goes wrong with this podcast has to do mm. with John. I do not understand that. Um, it happens. Can't even get his dang camera to work. I, I don't understand. How do you explain these things, John? Well, it started with Brandon and then just rotated over to me. That is so. true. Uh, did I can say, late night episode, did just get back from a dinner uh, at this new Chinese place here locally. And John seemed to think this place was good. I, John, it was terrible. Yeah. I will. Not, I do not. You said everything chicken was good. Everything chicken I had was awful like mm, maybe that guy got fired after the week i went. I will not ever be going back to that place um there's about there's about six or seven other uh chinese or asian cuisine mm-hmm. places locally that i would rather go to including like panda express um kroger right here we have a guy that makes good sushi yeah. <laughs> like i mean dude i mean that you you ate that sushi i don't know how you ate that i mean that just was scary like i said it was like the day it opened so it was good dude but, one mm. of those this one of the sushi rolls was like the size of a donut <laughs> i'm like sushi is not even supposed to be this big Interesting. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, like i said it was the way it was the week it opened so maybe things just kind of gone downhill even uh, worse well mm. hopefully i can make it through the episode i do not uh, my stomach does not feel great already and what's crazy is we got home and ash was like i have like a weird taste in my mouth i was like does it feel like you've been chewing on a battery because that's like i feel like i have like a metal taste in my mouth like that was awful like that place is i'm telling you right now will not make it a year Mm. and i'm not even gonna say the name obviously because like don't want to slander um i'm glad i caught it uh when it was decent because i I guess i don't gotta double back I don't. I remember when we talked about the uh, favorite places for you guys to eat. That's where I. I feel like you had some doozies in that one too, John. If I remember mm, right, I don't think so. Uh, no, we argued with you about the Chinese place. Oh, uh, I know that oh, was yeah, one, Panda, yeah. but yeah. you didn't help yourself here, though. I don't think so. I had some good barbecue today. Some guys yeah. from the church had a little pop up 
uh, had some pulled pork. It was very, very good. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad one of us got something good in today. Uh, with that, boys, we have so much to get to. Uh, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Rate, sub, follow, guys. We're trying to grow, get bigger. So you can give us some follows on our social medias. We're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. You can get us on Spotify. You can give us five-star written reviews on Apple Podcasts as well. We're really trying to get, grow in all those different areas. On YouTube, you could hit the notification bell and a like on any of the videos you watch. Um, it's really appreciated, and we just really appreciate you guys spreading the love. So please follow us at Neon Belly Podcast. All righty, boys. Let's get to it. This past Saturday from the Apex and in our main event, Jarcino Rosenstreich defeats Shamil Gaziv via fourth round TKO uh, doctor. I'll say backslash referee stoppage. Uh, this It has been a while, boys, since uh, we've seen a fighter as tired as Shamil Gaziv was in this fight. Um, he had a pretty good round one. Um, but after that, all Rosenstreich, um, who really just kind of put on a veteran's performance, right? And I thought mm-hmm. also a very matured performance, stayed patient, kept pumping out that jab and those leg kicks. And he just kind of really broke Gaziv in this fight. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't know if, uh, Gaziv's corner was speaking Arabic or Russian. Um, I don't know which was being spoken by that corner, but I don't need to know how to speak either to know that Gaziv was begging for them not to send him back out there <laughs> into round five between yes. four and five. Uh, the, the man looked like he was on the verge of tears and I don't want to laugh cause he was, he was getting his ass kicked in this fight mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, but you could tell he wanted no parts of another round or another second in the cage with Jarzinho Rosenstreich. Um, I think maybe a bit of criticism could go to Biggie Boy, especially late in this fight. Maybe could have let go a little bit more. I heard him say that on commentary. I was kind of starting to feel like that halfway through the third round. Like, all right, man, like, I know the jab's working. You got him where you want him. But, you know, and he did, to be fair, kind of there towards the end of the fourth round. But regardless, he gets it done, scores a big win, and he's back in the win column in general, which anytime you're winning in the UFC and in a main event, it's big. Yeah, this is going to be, I guess, the theme of the entire year is the veterans' performance, right? Because, like you said, round uh, was it round three? He really started to pick up. Round two mm-hmm. was pretty good as well, but yeah. um, yeah, just really ran away with it on the feet. And yeah, man, it's, anytime he lets go, he tends to do pretty well. There was a kind of a weird little um, ex- exchange towards the end of the fight when he where, where he was throwing a flurry that kind of looked almost brawlish to me but for the most yeah. part like when he does when he does let go man it's really technical and it's really precise yeah. and just i wish he did it more because i feel like when he is confident and he is letting go like that man that's where he just is at his best so sure. i was really hoping that this fight would start to bring a little more of that out of him because when he if he can kind of continue down that road because the takedown defense looks pretty good overall as mm-hmm. well man like he looked good in a lot of those takedown defenses and i know he got taken down in the one instance in the first round but man towards the end he even shot a little double leg of his own man like that that <laughs> confidence yeah. is what Rosenstreich needs though right like yeah when he's doing that kind of stuff is where he's really shining so good for him to get back in the column there and um yeah I look forward to seeing him again yeah you know I I'd said that in the group chat like when Biggie Boy's shooting a takedown for fun like you know he's having his night um I thought that you know I I was afraid of him being a little bit more you know kind of laid back and pensive and kind of giving maybe a little bit too much respect because that's just something that he's done a lot more um I didn't think that guys he was going to have 
I thought he was going to have more in his bag in the takedowns other than just that single leg. After he got the success of it the one time, he went back to it maybe three or four more times, just wasn't able to finish. But I feel like in some of his other fights, I've seen him turn, do a lot more stuff, uh, a lot more different takedowns, double legs, different trips, and none of that was in his bag today. Um, and, you know, good on Rosenstrike for working that takedown defense because – uh, I mean, even in the first round, the first takedown that Gaizib tried to shoot was bad. Like, mm. didn't set yeah. it up, just kind of dusted. Somebody posted the video. He literally ran headfirst into the cage. Yeah. He, he, well, <laughs> like, when he did that, that's when I was like, oh, well. And, this. And, like, and so much so to the point where he, like, stumbled back. Like, it was a rough Yeah. I, it was like a Matador situation. I was like, you know what? This is not looking good for him. But then when he did get it on the ground, I was like, you know what? If he can do this again, yeah. I don't know that Rosenstrike can get back up. And he didn't have to do that again because the takedown defense stood up, the leg kicks, the body punches, the I mean, everything that Rosenstrike was trying to do from about a couple minutes into the second round on, he did whatever he wanted. The, um, the other thing is that jab, like we talked about with that jab, like when you get hit in the face right on the bridge of the nose like that repeatedly, like that kind of pain, like I can only imagine how bad that felt by round three well, and four. And that guy's he was just putting his face forward like he was going to have fast enough head movement to move out the way. Mm, yeah. Eating it, backing up, and being like, all right, well, fair play. He did seem to be in some pain, but, like, to be fair, too, like, I will give Shamil Gaziv that tough dude. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, you can the, say... Dude, the mouthpiece. Yeah, he tried to hang in there as long as he could. I guess in the end, you know, I again, who knows exactly the translation. I know he, he was saying he couldn't see... Well, he didn't argue at the end, either. No, so. yeah. oh, no, no, no dude. He was, he was wanting out, trust <laughs> He was looking me. at the, the, the doctor, giving him the thumbs up, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week with, you know, guys early in their UFC careers getting these big opportunities and, you know, as of late, we have not really seen it work out too well, you know, going back to the Strickland Abuse fight even, um, you know, we'll get to another fight on the card where same thing, but you know, you do get your Diego Lopes sometimes mm -hmm. and, and you know, is it, I, I Lopez. know Lopez, I know, but it's spelled as Lopes. I know. And here's the thing. If you go back to his first fight, I was calling him Lopez and everybody else was saying Lopes, but it's like, once you get that little doubt in your mind now, mm -hmm. I can never remember when I write it in my notes, I put a Z because the S to. always throws uh, me off. But I think also like, again, just, and I'm not trying to go down the hole of somebody else, but like when you see like an Alex Pereira and what mm -hmm. he, now he wasn't facing a ranked fighter in his second fight. Right. But but uh, just to do, like, it just shows how hard it is to climb the ranks. Yeah. Even against a guy like Biggie Boy who hasn't looked as good, but, man, you come in and you're not on that level and you're going to get exposed really fast. Well, and I, and I don't always agree with the commentary, but one thing that I think Bizping said, because they were kind of, you know, chalking uh, Jarzinho up as, like, a, a gatekeeper, and it's like, but that's there's no offense to that because this is the highest level. Like, you're the, you're the benchmark that people have to get to before they get to, you know, the guys that you can't be at the time or whatever you're at in your age so right. there's nothing I mean and you've seen that here this is an undefeated fighter you sure. know somebody who I don't think I've ever seen past the second round yeah we're gonna keep it moving boys try to get through these kind of quick in our co-main event uh, Vitor Petrino defeats Tyson Pedro uh, via unanimous decision and you know in a week where red and yellow cards were a big talking point in mixed martial arts uh, here is a great example of why it would have been a positive thing to see in the UFC because um, if Mark Goddard would have stopped this fight in round two for lack of action, none of us would have been upset. Yeah. Um, neither guy kind of willing to do much in terms of offense. Um, and it was a good win for Petrino. You know, he remains undefeated. And 
I still do think the ceiling is high for him in this division, but you got to perform better than that, man, to compete in even the top 15 of the light mm-hmm. heavyweight division. Um, just not a good showing for a guy that I felt like they were kind of putting him in a spot to kind of go show out and mm-hmm. really try to make a name for himself. Yeah. Well, and he said as much, like he said, this was going to be the fight that really puts him on, you know, puts the whole division on notice as yeah. far as him being here. And it just really wasn't that. So. No, it was not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and for Tyson Pedro, I mean, obviously he's a veteran. He's been doing this for a long time. And, you know, he's not necessarily an easy person to strike with. And then the ground stuff just wasn't there. It was more kind of clinchy. So it just kind of had a bad formula. Called out Anthony Smith. Again, I don't hate it. But, like, you can't fight Anthony Smith like that. Because regardless of where Anthony Smith is in his career, like, he's going to come. I mean, he's going to be coming for you. And he's going to push the pace. He's going to push the action. And, again, I still think Petrino has potential. I mean, dude, talk about a guy that just looks like an action figure, right? Like, straight Mm -hmm. out of a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And and moves well. The cardio held up. But then again, let me pull it up real quick. I don't even know if they broke 40 strikes uh, between them. That's a good question. Let me see. Sorry, I had it. I had it pulled up. As Brandon mentioned, we had some technical difficulties. I forgot to pull it back up. Yeah, so 30 for Pedro, 27 for Petrino. So 57. Total between mm-hmm. them. Uh, so there's your there's your story of the fight right there, right? Mm-hmm. In, in an age where we got guys throwing 400 five, or, oh, you know, yeah. punches in, in a five-round fight, there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, do also want to shout out, though, Tyson Pedro, who retired after the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had some fun moments, some really cool knockouts and finishes. Um, the celebration Samurai against celebration. yeah Turkali and, and Sydney, that forever is going to rank as one of the greatest knockout celebrations ever. Um, so I respect his, you know, he said just – this isn't what he wants to do anymore. Yeah. Totally respect people that are willing to do that. And he, and he had a rough, you know, I think like a three-year break with injury. And, you know, we just, sometimes that's hard to come back from. And traveling, he said he wants to be with his daughter. And he said he was like 12 months or so away from her between camps and stuff. So, oh, dude, I could not imagine. Yeah. It's tough. Next result, boys. This is one we'll probably spend a little bit more time on. Mohamed Mokhaev defeats Alex Perez via unanimous decision uh this one may have been a little tougher than mohaya would have liked mm-hmm. definitely i had it going one one going into the third giving mohaya round one and perez round two i thought round three was close but i did give it to mohaya i did think he edged it ever so slightly um and regardless he is now 11 and 0 in his career and 6 and 0 in the ufc yeah, coming off his win over Elliot with that arm triangle, because that's my boy. I was really kind of looking forward to seeing like the the grappling, especially in terms of the exchanges for this fight. But um, the, I don't know. It's tough sometimes when you see these fights where you say like it's 1-1 going into three, and then it's just so heavy in certain departments as far as grappling. It's tough to really distinguish what separates. So like for you, like Nate, what really separated it for you in that third round? Well, I didn't at first. I didn't like the visuals of Mokhayev just dropping to his knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like thought, a squat or something. I think if anything, if you're Perez, you're kind of kicking yourself when you watch that fight back because, you know, if he takes a little bit more advantage of some of those um, positions and tries to do a little bit more damage, I think he edges the round. Um, but I just felt like Mokhayev was doing a little bit more of the damage, pushing, pushing, coming forward still. As where I felt like Perez was just kind of absorbing the pressure and almost just waiting to counter wrestler or sprawl like Mm -hmm. he really wasn't looking for his Mm -hmm. own he was just kind of letting Mohayev dictate where the fight was going that was kind of where I was at with it at least how I viewed it in my Mm -hmm. personal like 
you know, judging criteria, I guess, which not saying is perfect by any means. But, um, yeah, I just felt like it was more Perez knew the shot was coming and was just waiting for it. And which if he, which is fine because Mokhaev was giving it to him, but he just, like, once he got there, he was just not really... I felt like he was trying that 10-finger choke a couple of times, maybe some guillotines, but, like, I feel like when you're in a close fight like that, like, you got to know damage wins fights at this point. Is that what you're talking about when you say pressing the action in those specific instances with the squatting or, like, with the yeah. down to his knees? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a couple times, though, Perez thought about throwing, like, a knee and like, got into that weird shaky, like, mm. is he down yeah. stuff. Um, I didn't really like the optic of the, you know, squatting down, you know, letting him have that front headlock, and then he was kind of popping out at the end, and then they'd reset and he'd kind of get right back to it. Um, and to your point about, like, paying attention, when he goes back, he's definitely going to kick himself because in that third, there was one time where he came forward and Mokayev went down like that, and he didn't keep going forward, and Mokayev had to, like, kind of pop back up and re-engage so if you could have timed something like that you could have landed a big uppercut or something else instead of going right into that but um i you know i thought mokayev looked a little sloppy on the stand-up as far as taking punches i feel like he was getting hit a little bit um more than definitely he would want to and i thought that alex perez's uh, grappling stood up like i thought it would as far as just being really competitive and the scrambles and, and really pushing mokayev to really have to i mean they have him down for like attempting like 20 takedowns yeah. and and only getting a couple of those. So that's definitely a change up, but good for Mokayev to have to kind of go to a plan B or have some like extra game plans when he can't get to the submissions. Yeah. I mean, dude, like Alex Perez has fought the who's who he's mm-hmm. a tighter t- former title challenger. He's had some struggles, but it was always going to be a tough fight. Now, um, Again, we are recording this Saturday night, which is kind of another reason why we don't have a lot for most of these fights because we don't know, like, post-fight stuff, anything like that. I did see, which you guys probably didn't, um, Mokhayev did post uh, his toilet from 7 o'clock this morning, and it definitely looks like a toilet full of diarrhea. Why you would It could have been throw-up, but it definitely looked like diarrhea. Oh, uh, it's a disgusting... Yeah, glad I didn't like, see that. Oh, dude. <laughs> uh, but he said, you know, this was, at seven, this was my toilet at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, but basically, there was no way he was going to pull out of the fight. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right. Which, so, and if that's the case, I can see that. Because he and and that's why, like, I don't want to be as critical because that's the first time we've really seen Mokayev ever kind of seem to slow down. Mm-hmm. In a sense, I mean, he's been challenged. He's looked a little human at points, but like, he just definitely seemed to fade a little bit. So, and it's weird. Like, I feel like we've been seeing this a lot where it's like, there's like a bug running through the UFC locker room because like guys keep getting sick fight yeah, nights, like nights of world, fights. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> we'll a good say, point. We won't go any deeper into that, but geez. And we said last week we would shelve the 125 pound title talk to this week because as we kind of speculated and predicted, Brandon Royval is injured after the Moreno fight. I believe he, meniscus, uh, MC, yeah, MCL, Torres, MCL. MCL. There's In the no, first minute of the first yeah, round. Dude, there's no way you're walking like walking out of the post fight presser with literally an ice pack on one knee and a knee brace on the other, and nothing's wrong with your. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, I'm not saying so. I'm not saying like we uh, we guessed it, we called it. It was pretty obvious something yeah. was wrong with Brandon Royval. Um, so based off of Mohamed Mokayev's performance in his win over Alex Perez, do you think he should be next uh, title challenger for Alexandre Pantoja? I, I, I do. I think that because, one, you have a willing champ in Pantoja who did recently say that he would like the chance to fight Mokayev if he can handle his business. Um, I did see Mokayev. Obviously, we don't know post-fight, but pre-fight said he would be willing to do the turnaround for 301 in Brazil. 
and, and we talked about it. Pantoja is about the best bet they have for a Brazilian headliner for that card. So I think if um, not having Brandon Royval, Moreno's recently off a loss, like we talked about it last week, you know, all these other guys either don't have fights or coming off of losses or, lo- you know, losses to Brandon Royval, blah, blah, blah. I think that that's the only thing that really makes a lot of sense as long as Mokayev can make the turnaround. Yeah, I mean, it's the freshest matchup, like you said, so that, I mean, it makes sense, um, and I, I, this ma- this fight but today wasn't the most stellar in terms of how it ended, but, I mean, it's still enough, like, Sean Strickland went out and fought Izzy coming off of his, you know, two two fights that he had, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted him in there, and then he did what he did, so I think that's perfectly fair for my have. Yeah, and I think it's a good matchup, and I, I mean, you know, you can. it's hard. You don't want to base it off of one bad performance, or maybe, I don't even want to call it a bad performance, but just one that seems a little bit more and, underwhelming. And not even not just the performance either, but who he fought, right? right. Like, he, you know, he's at, what, what is Pedro ranked? Was he, is he, seven. Yeah, I mean, so that's pretty Wait, good. Wait, who, Perez? Per, sorry, Perez. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah seven. Yeah. Um, like, seven. Like, yeah, that's still top ten, but it's not number five, right? right. Like, so that's all I'm saying. Like, it's not, like, the top five of the division, but it's still... We've seen it happen, and the way that division is, it just makes sense. Yeah, and I think that still gives a chance for Makayev to do his. Uh, he wanted to be younger than John, like be the yeah. youngest champion. I, don't know if I think there's only like 60 days left in that. They were kind of talking about. Yeah, and he may just get it by default too. To be honest, like mm-hmm. kind of like what John said, like regardless of what anybody thinks or whatever, because when you do look at that flyweight division. Uh, it seems like everybody ranked above him is either injured or coming off of a loss. So mm-hmm. depending how fast they want to, you know, get Alexandre Pantoja back out there, uh, Mohamed Mokhaev may be the only logical matchup for him, you know, unless mm-hmm. you want to give it to a guy coming off a loss, which when you have a guy who is 11 and 0, 6 and 0 right. in the UFC so on the same role, it's, it's not a hard sell. He's, he's a good, you know, he's a character. He's a good talker on the mic. Um, he builds fights. I think it would be a, it would be an interesting fight, mm-hmm. man. Because, again, depending how much you want to buy into the whole sick thing, if he was just genuinely sick, I do think Muhammad Bokayev is a guy that can go five harder rounds with Alexandre Pantoja. And, again... Alex Perez is a very good wrestler, mm-hmm. and you saw what Mohamed Mokayev is capable of on the ground. So yeah. um, it remains to be seen in the stand-up, you know, but we'll see. But I, I do think, logically, um, if they want to get that fight over the line, unless they want to wait for one of these other options like a Roy Vall or Amir Albazi to come back from injury, it's it's got to be mm-hmm. Mokayev. And so, like I said, I still think the 301 is a big play into that, so I think it'll they'll make that happen. Next fight, boys. Umar Nurmagomedov defeats Bezkat Almakan. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I believe Be- that's how that. Bezkat Almakan. Yeah. You know what's tough if you're asking me and John or us? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, he beat him by unanimous decision. Apologies, didn't say that part. And uh, ooh wee boys, clinched buttholes for the entire <laughs> MMA world as Almakan looped a left hand over the top that dropped Umar early in round one. Uh, but Umar able to recover, leaning on the grappling, and pretty much dominated the rest of the fight mm-hmm. with grappling. His greatest weapon by far. He stays 17-0, and but your guys' thoughts on his uh, this fight here? Yeah, like dominating. Yeah, he dominated pretty much majority of the fight. But it's just I was gonna say there's something to be said about when your your opponent can surprise you, right? Like, mm-hmm. like wasn't this was a short notice, or was it fairly short notice, mm-hmm. or was it just like an opponent? A week, that we, I think. We, yeah. yeah, two weeks. So really short notice. So like when you can't prepare for somebody, sure. like it's I just it's a really interesting a point. point of conversation because 
Yeah, I just wonder how much that played into just the fact that he even landed right there. Like, that it just caught Umar by surprise. He really wasn't expecting much aggression out of him. I don't know. Yeah. But um, even on the ground, there were a couple instances where he was able to get up. How yeah. Do you, how do you pronounce his last name again? Almacon. Almacon, yeah. Almacon was able to kind of get up, reverse a few positions, and get on top. Like, really just showed some grit and just resolve throughout this fight. So I'm excited to see him again. But I just think it's interesting how we'll see that with, like, him and even Lopez. And just some of these guys can make these performances a little bit more than what we're expecting. Yeah, so. well, if if Umar's team went and looked at any of Almacon's fights, they would have seen that he that's what he does. I mean, he throws heat, and it's the ones you don't see, obviously. Mm-hmm. That one hit him right on the top of the forehead. He probably thought that was going to go over his head. Next thing, like he said, next thing you know, I'm grabbing his leg because I had to wake back up. Yeah, uh, His post-fight was hilarious, too, by yeah. the way. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think that we've kind of seen this from Umar, too, is like he gets in some of these matchups where he either just runs through people or he puts on a wrestling clinic, um, you know, for three rounds and, and really just dominates people. Cause even to be dropped like that, he still won that round to me as far as all the rest of the stuff he mm. did. It really controlled it at the very least. Mm. Um, I know some of the judges had him the last two rounds being 10 eights, which he deserved cause he was just, you know, controlling him the whole time. And Almacon had a, a couple of, chances of getting up and um sometimes just kind of just standing up it just seemed like he yeah, he definitely now. would work this very well but it just was going to be way too much for somebody like umar and just imagine the poor fellow who's going to have to take on almacon next i mean Ooh. some unranked bantamweight out there is going to have to Dude. follow that up um and i think for taking the fight on short notice and doing what he did against umar obviously deserves much praise and it's a bit of a you know he deserves some you know credit for that mm-hmm. and dare i say maybe even a little bit of some diego lopez vibes i mean again maybe not as competitive as mavzari vloyev and diego lopez was um and diego lopez a guy who won rookie of the year last year so mm-hmm. um but you know yeah anytime like you know just like we said with the shamil thing like coming in and facing a, a top ranked guy right out of the gates is not easy mm-hmm. um so even to be competitive even if it was just that one moment i mean everybody has a puncher chance right mm-hmm. but um you know i don't know man he's you his, consider where he's from he's from the he's from that area John. <laughs> he's from the area the guy where the guys are from where the guys are from um, that are in the area but yeah no I, I think that i don't know how many guys are eating that punch and able to recover like yeah. umar did i mean I, I think it was a little bit of well i think if umar wasn't the wrestler that he is i yeah. don't know that he would have been able to recover you're not because, waking up on a leg if you're anybody else no totally agree umar did call out Corey sanhagen um that was the original matchup if you remember that we were supposed to see but obviously Obviously, uh, Sanhagen got injured, um, and I say why not? I think Umar has been Makes more sense. than patient. Yeah, he's been more than su- serviceable to the promotion, fighting guys like this. Um, he's ranked outside the top 10, but I personally don't have any problems with him facing Sanhagen and have no problems if that fight's a title eliminator either, should mm-hmm. Umar win. Like, yeah, you fight Corey Sanhagen, you beat him, probably number one contender. I mean, yeah. I have no problems with that. Well, and Corey's the only one who said yes. That's true, too, and that's the other thing about it, too. Like, anybody that wants to whine about it, it's like, dude, you just made my my boy go out there and fight. <laughs> Somebody who's going to be on the Contender Series yeah, this year some, is how they were saying Yeah, it, some know? guy that's, yeah, he's, you know, making his UFC debut off the number 13 ranked when, mm-hmm. look at all the guys that could have raised their hand because here's the thing. Even if a guy like you know, you're ranked above Umar. Like, say you're like, I'd have to pull the rankings up. I don't have him. I had him in front of me, but I'll get him up in a minute. But I think Umar was 12. But he, 13. He was 13. So, like, say you're like the number six or five, six, seven ranked guy. Go beat, go fight Umar. Because if you want a title shot, I mean, if you beat Umar, now you're in line for the Sanhagen mm, title yeah. eliminator. You know what I mean? So, it's like, I know it's a risky fight, but dude, 
you're going to have to fight these daggy guys anyways. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want the title, you're going to have to find a way to beat these guys anyways. Well, I think that's kind of why that uh, Amalekon took the fight, too, is like, I want to be, be one of the best. Yeah. This is your best chance to do it, man. I mean, that was kind of like Gilbert's mindset when he fought Hamza. Like, mm -hmm. look, if I want to be champion, like, I'm going to have to beat this guy anyways and mm -hmm. went out there and compete. Like, I think when you kind of take that pressure off yourself, maybe you're just like, hey, I'm just going to go for it, yeah. which is the mindset Corey Sanhagen had. So that's an exciting fight anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, a couple other quick results, boys. Big win for Steve Ursay, who knocks out Matt Schnell in round two. Kind of just caught Schnell flat-footed there and just yep. slept him. Sends he trains his, with Jack Della, right? Yeah, yeah. He Ooh. sends his win streak to 11 straight. He's now 3-0 in the UFC with a couple of pretty good wins. Beat David Dovrak in his debut on short notice as well. Um, he called out Brandon Moreno, which I totally get. Um, and I don't know what the UFC's appetite will be for that matchup or what may be next for Moreno. I don't hate it. Wouldn't also mind seeing him face uh, Kai Kara France either. I think that mm -hmm. would be a fun one. But I like Steve Urseg. And my buddy Dorman, shout out to him. He hit me up and he was basically said that he's like how much he likes Urseg. And he's like, he's just the most unassuming guy. He like, looks like he works at Best Buy or <laughs> Dude, something. Dude, he looks like, like, um, like a computer tech uh, guy. Umbrella Academy. The one that, the younger one that always wears a school uniform. Oh, yeah. Um, dang it. What was his? Is it? Number as eleven or something. I don't no, remember seven. I and and Matt Schnell is not easy to put out. We've no, seen him get. Vet, we've seen him get hit and come back and beat people. So to put him out cold like that is crazy. Well, we're not gonna recap it, but I'm gonna hit the button because Vinicius Oliveira award watch. I mean. Jeez. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to beat for knockout of the year. Flying mm -hmm. knee finish um, over Bernardo Sopa. Was it Sopage? Sopa, I think that's how they uh, yeah. uh, Either way, uh, yeah, that was one of those ones I told you guys, like, these these day fights are always fun because usually Ash ends up watching a little bit of them. And, like, as soon as that lands, she was just, oh, my gosh, is he okay? <laughs> Probably and, not. And I'm sitting here, like, losing my mind. And she's like, he still hasn't moved. <laughs> it's like, he's fine. Yeah, dude. He, and he was throwing bombs the whole time, but then to even just hunt after that. Hey, man, it was tight on him early. This was mm -hmm. a good fight, very mm -hmm. back-and-forth fight. Um, also, huge win for uh, Eamon Zahabi, handing mm -hmm. Javid Bashrat his first loss. Um I said, man, Zahabi's a tough fight for anybody, man. Uh, just keeps it simple, but he cracks. Christian Leroy Duncan, man, I like him. Sweet I think name. he is he is somebody to watch. I watched that fight as well, um, and I I think we're going to see him again this summer, probably when they go to Manchester. But and that Klein was a last minute replacement for Joel Alvarez, yes. and he got a big win for him as well. So yeah, so not a bad fight night, man. You know, it's you know the the main co-main weren't the best. Um, that is that's never fun. No, uh, but but <laughs> everything before that was pretty entertaining. Uh, and before we get to UFC 299, Brandon. What's the scores? So you come in with two points. You're the only one who got any points ha, ha, this week. Ha, so you ha, got 18. Staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Ha, that's, ha, ha. that's more like me with four. Yeah. <laughs> so you got 18. John's got 12. And I'm sitting with pretty with four. Got oh a lot of gosh, points. Come on, up. guys. I'm already pulling away. This can't be. You don't know how bad I this wanted can't to sit be. here and say, oh, Nate John at two weeks in a row. <laughs> but couldn't even do that. This can't be, guys. I can't be the one that pulls it away. I'm taking some risks this week, though. Just know this, this, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hedging a little bit here. This may not be a good week for me because mm. I'm, I'm, I've got some predictions. I've got some thoughts. I'm curious. got to risk it to get the biscuit, right? I'm going to risk it. I got to, I'm not, I'm actually feel a little bit better now. I can breathe a little easy knowing that 
I have a little bit of some room to play with. So let's get to it, boys. This Saturday, UFC 299, March 9th, a main card start time of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, uh, live from the, I think it's Casa Center in Miami, Florida. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, and before, as usual, can't forget this. You know, I got a little fun fact about Miami, Miami boys. people. And that is, there is no basements in Miami. Um, as homes were built just six feet above sea level, and the requisite to dig a basement is eight feet. Mm. No basements. That's cool. I didn't know that. I was going to do John in four days, sweated through seven white t-shirts, but mm. <laughs> that, I decided not <laughs> yeah. to go with that, with that fun fact. Survived, though. You know, I made it home. Fair enough. He did survive, and he did make it home. <laughs> Uh, but did sweat through seven white tees in four days. It's what I lean on whenever I have like hot days here. I was like, yeah, but it's not Miami. It's, it's definitely not Miami. Uh, <laughs> I just remember being on top of like a light tower thing in Key West. And like, I just look back at John and I just know John was not okay. Yeah, it wasn't a great. We're like, we're so close to the equator, like the closest I could get in America to the equator. I think. I think John, if like ten more minutes on that lighthouse, on top of that lighthouse, and John was gonna go down. I probably just would have been stuck up there. <laughs> you could see his his back hair through his shirt and the front and the white, which he, I mean, it was. In, I mean, it was not good. Yeah, it was not good. It wasn't good in general, but definitely not good for me. <laughs> July in Miami is oh, always a bad idea. We'll have to go with Woo. you sometime because I can probably compete with you. Yeah, no, we would have both been stuck up there. They would have had to bring in the chopper, <laughs> and we're just getting there, getting airlifted, and Nathan's laughing. I, I literally thought you, John, might need airlifted off that tower. Yeah, which, why we were on a thing, I don't even know how. Well, because we that was like the only, like, as we kept on walking through Key West, that was like the only thing we could look at because they had like a whole, because it was like a pirate thing. Ooh, oh, man. I just remember looking back at John. I told Ash, he's like, he's not okay. Yeah. We need to get off this tower now. I got a stomach full of conch, and this is what you put on me? <laughs> Oh, with, with that, boys, let us move to our Bantamweight title main event as the champ, Sugar Sean O'Malley, takes on number five, Marlon Chito Vera. And, boys, this is a rematch. Uh, these two first fought back in August of 2020 at UFC 252, where Cheeto won by first round TKO. Uh, gave O'Malley a case of the drop foot from a leg kick. Um, and pounded him out with some elbows from guard. Uh, since their last meeting, O'Malley has won six uh, straight with one no contest against Pedro Munoz. Um, and his last win was against Aljamain Sterling to win the Bantamweight title at UFC 292 in August of last year. Uh, Cheeto has gone 5-2 and two since his big win over O'Malley. Um, after that win, uh, he lost to Aldo, won four straight, lost to Sanhagen, um, and in his most recent fight, he defeated Pedro Munoz by unanimous decision. Uh, boys, I love a good rematch, especially when a title is on the line, mm -hmm. and especially one like this that has really been three years in the making. Uh, so with that, Brandon, kick us off. Who you got? Oh, man. Okay. So, Did you think a lot about it? I Actually, not. Well, was, yes, I did think a lot about it. I'm but I've not in the dark. I have not done the research that I typically do because it's Fair not enough. working. Like, I, what That's a good point. Do? Just, keep, good just point. keep doing research. Hey, DC admitted on the broadcast tonight his lack of research for the fight. So if DC can do it, Brandon, I think so you can. These are all gut picks. So I'm going to go with Marlon Chito Vera. And the reason why is because I really like the, the rematch aspect. And O'Malley, it just, the way he 
handled the rematch. Like, he just kind of never acknowledging that he lost. To me, it's kind of like when guys get hit and, like, they kind of smile and shake their head. Like, no, that didn't hurt. No, that kind of hurt. Like, you're just trying to play that mental. I think O'Malley's in the same boat. And Cheeto's hard, hard to finish. Like, it's not, I don't think it's going to be easy for O'Malley to put him out. And I think when O'Malley's in those type of fights, that's where we start to see a little bit of a struggle for him. So, I, I feel like if he doesn't put Cheeto away early, it's, it's, Cheeto's got a much better chance to win, I think, in that five-round war. So I'm going to take Cheeto Vera, but I actually like him to finish. I'm going to go with fourth-round TKO for Cheeto Vera. All righty, John, who are you taking? This one's interesting, man, because I feel like the only way O'Malley wins is by knockout, but nobody's knocked out Marlon Cheeto Vera. So um, it, he's going to have to be a first, but I do think that if anybody in that division has that, it's definitely him. Um it, you know, and I think that it, it's interesting too because we talked about the quality of opponent that um, O'Malley's had building up to this, and obviously, you know, the last couple when you talk about Piotr Jan and then obviously Aljo, very high caliber people. Yeah. But we haven't necessarily seen them with the high caliber necessarily strikers, or we, we just haven't seen them with that type yet because we haven't seen them at the top very long. It's it's kind of still recent. Um, my only problem with Cheeto is the slow start. I don't like that. Um, and I feel like if you give somebody like Sean O'Malley a chance to find his distance and time you, that's when you get put away. Um, so I like Sean O'Malley in this. I think that um, Cheeto is going to struggle a little bit. And if he does come out high, he could walk into some type of counter. Um, but I do think that Sean O'Malley, and, and, the, and we talk about the champion bump, we talk about confidence, and I just don't know that um, – you know, Sean O'Malley is probably his peak with that. So, and I know he really wants this. You don't want to lose to the guy who got you for that. And and obviously, I imagine he's been working the you know the leg kick defense since that fight. So it can't, it shouldn't be a hole again. Um, so I'm gonna take Sean O'Malley. I'm gonna say by second round knockout. Yeah, this is uh, this is really tough for me because I love Cheeto. I think mm -hmm. he has an amazing story. Um, and should he add a world title to that story, it's only gonna add to the legacy. Um, and one thing I I do like for Cheeto in this fight is he is capable of replicating the same outcome in that mm -hmm. first fight. You know, um, it's obviously no secret O'Malley's legs have uh, proven to be a bit vulnerable, um, and Chino has phenomenal kicks, and more importantly, he has really good kicking power. Um, however, like you said, John, I, I don't, I just can't bank on something like that to happen though when trying to kind of decide a winner. Um, and the biggest problem for me in this fight is the same one that's sort of played Trita's career as John was getting to, and that is at times he just. It's not even the slow start sometimes. Sometimes he just doesn't ever seem to get going in a fight. Mm -hmm. And and at times the volume and output is too low. I think we saw that in the Sanhagen fight, right? Mm -hmm. um, just never really seemed to get going to the point where his coaches are in the corner like, dude, do not bum me out right now. Like, don't do this <laughs> to me, you know? Um, um, where Cheeto, um, he, in it, but now, uh, there is also the Dom Cruz fight. That was another thing mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on where Cheeto was essentially outstruck the whole fight. Um, and then all he needed was that one big one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, um, that is another very realistic outcome as well, or some sort of, you know, injury from the legs or whatever. I genuinely believe O'Malley is a tough matchup for Cheeto here though. Mm -hmm. The speed, the feints, the footwork, um, all are key advantages I give to O'Malley, specifically the feints, which, uh, Cheeto had a lot 
lot of problems dealing with in that Sanhagen fight. O'Malley mm-hmm. is also a really active striker. Um, in almost all of his wins, he significantly outstrikes his opponents. Um, and I can see him kind of freezing Cheeto a bit in this matchup. And again, in a fight against a guy who has had performances with lower output, it's hard not to uh, lean in uh, O'Malley's favor. But Vero has never been finished, and O'Malley has never been five rounds. Um so I don't think O'Malley can outpoint Vera while also avoiding injury or a big shot. You know, you know, mm-hmm. can he? I don't know. Um, I think he can, though. We actually saw O'Malley's chin tested in the Piotr yeah. Jan fight as well, which I think is a big thing. Um, I had scenarios here because if you guys both went O'Malley, I was going to go Cheeto. But <laughs> thank you, Brandon, for, for picking, uh, for picking uh, Cheeto there. Uh, he's going to have to keep his legs under him, but if he can, I definitely could see an O'Malley decision win here is mm. what I'm going with. Not bad. Ready? Yeah. Oh, sorry. In, I, I forgot. I have co-main event. I, <laughs> I thought I gave it to one of you guys. My bad. In our co-main event, boys, we have a very fascinating matchup in the lightweight division as number three, Dustin Poirier will be taking on number 12, Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, and what excites me the most about this matchup is uh, this is kind of a turnover or at least an opportunity for turnover that we've kind of been calling for the past few, year, few years. Um, you know, it's it's been a bit of a stalemate kind of at the top five. Guys kind of just shuffling through each other. And what a chance this is for Saint-Denis to basically in one fight become a future legitimate title hopeful. Um, but to do so, he's going to have to get through one of the best lightweights um, really of the past decade decade in Dustin Poirier who uh, comes into this fight uh, on a off his second round head kick TKO loss to Justin Gaethje back in July at UFC 291. Uh, Gaethje uh, is three and two in his last or well excuse me not Gaethje Poirier is three and two in his last five with two wins over Conor McGregor and one over Michael Chandler um, and his two losses being uh, the BMF title loss to Gaethje and a lightweight title loss to Charles Oliveira. Uh, his opponent, Benoit Saint-Denis, comes in riding a five-fight win streak with five finishes. His last win was a second-round head kick knockout. And, ooh, something to watch there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Over Matt Frivola back in November at UFC 295. Um, and, man, like I said, a win here would just absolutely change the trajectory of BSD's career. And a win for Poirier would see his title aspirations continue because, on the contrary, um, it's hard not to think a loss would probably Probably end uh, any future title hopes for Dustin Poirier, at least at 155 pounds. What's up, 165? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it'd be incredibly tough, though, for Poirier to get back to a title mm-hmm. should he lose uh, a guy, you know, in Benoit Saint Denis, who's not only ranked lower, but outside of even the top 10 currently, regardless of how good he is. So big as a uh, big, uh, not aspirations. <laughs> um, what would the word be? Big. Um, Help me. Big, I don't know. It's a big say. opportunity. I no, can t- like I can what's like that. when he's got like a big like something's on the line. Big for who? For Poirier? Both of them. Steaks. Steaks. There you go. Okay. That was the word I was fishing for. It. I knew one of you guys. Would <laughs> late find night. It for late me. night episode, man. I knew one of you guys would find it for me. With that, Brandon, who are you taking in this one? Yeah. So this one's really interesting, right? Like it, it's a big, it's a jump for Benoit. Like to me, it kind of seems like when G- Gamrot moved up and he was fighting uh, Darius. Like I kind of have vibes like that now. What's playing in my mind here is the Poirier Gaethje fight, right? The head kick knockout is not a good good way to go out. Like I really don't like that. We just saw Volk have a fight 
after coming off a head kick knockout. Now, granted, it wasn't the same short amount of time in between fights, but Gaethje fought Faiziv. It was kind of a similar scenario. Faiziv's coming up as a, a, sort of a newer guy in the division. Gaethje puts him away. This is kind of Dustin's chance here, right? Yeah. Coming off that loss to Justin, though. Yeah. So I like Benoit here, man. I like the I like the energy. I like the surge. And I like the finishing rate as well. And just coming off that head kick KO for me with Dustin, man, I just don't like that. And like you have the wins with McGregor, which were just kind of weird ones, and then you have the loss to Oliver. Like he just kind of had a weird run of form as of late. And I just think it's Benoit's time, man. I just think it's a little late for Poirier at one fifty five. So I'm taking Benoit. I like him to finish mostly because again, Dustin's coming off that head kick KO again. So I'm going to take Benoit by second round KO. John, what you got? This is five rounds, right? Yes, this is a five round. Okay, I I just wanted to make sure because I mean, obviously that plays a little bit into this. Um, Man, this has been this has been the kind of pick 'em one for me in my head where it's just like there is a side of coming off the head kick, but mm-hmm. that was in July. He's there's been a, a good distance of time since then yeah. for him to kind of heal up and kind of regroup. In theory, um, in theory, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and for Benoit, this is the biggest. You know, this is a huge jump in talent. I mean, Matt Frivola was a very good fighter, but we're talking about a title contender. Um, so it, it is going to be interesting to see how that holds up. Um, I do know that you know, like you said, with the head kick, maybe there's a situation where um, Dustin Poirier is keeping his hands real high that's opening for the takedown with God of War loves to do that sweet nickname by the way I had to plug that because it's one of my favorites um, but I, I almost I don't know if this is going to be kind of what we've seen in the main event of the last card and we've seen in other cards maybe a little bit too much too early mm-hmm. for Benoit so I, and I like the five round I like the experience and savvy that uh, that Poirier brings. So I'm going to actually take Poirier here. I think he's going to win by decision because I think that Benoit is really tough to to knock out. He does get hit, but I, I think that he'll stay in there. But I do like uh, Poirier by decision. Yeah, I think kind of what both of you guys are saying is like kind of what I'm thinking is, and I may still have my Volk Ilya glasses on here, uh, but I like this fight for Saint Denis. Um, and the similarities between the Volk Ilya matchup um, and this one are very apparent. Uh, with the exception of a title, uh, but the age gaps are similar. The younger guys both have well-rounded skill sets, a country behind them even, um, and man, BSD is just an absolute finisher as well, mm-hmm. and I do wonder uh, if the Gaethje fight was the first step of a deteriorating Poirier mm-hmm. who's been in some insane wars. Even the fight before that against Chandler was mm-hmm. crazy, mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's got him through those wars and on the winning side of most of them was the heart, the chin, the durability. So what happens when those are gone from Poirier's game? Um, now, I'm not so quick to dismiss that inner dog in Poirier. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is one aspect of this fight that I'm having a hard time looking over. And John mentioned it right off the top. And that is the five-round aspect of this fight. And that advantage has to go to DP here, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And I think there's a reason Dustin wanted the five rounds in this fight. He wants to try to drag Saint-Denis into some deep waters and see if he can swim. Um, and if there's one guy who I think is capable <laughs> of withstanding, say, a two-round storm and then pulling off some big movie-esque win comeback it's Dustin Poirier <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and even with Sandini's power I don't hate this striking matchup for Dustin man Sandini tends to get a little flat-footed obviously to load up on the power um, and he also tends to leave his head kind of on that sim- uh, center line probably because he does trust his chin so much which has held up well to be fair um, and Dustin has some pretty good footwork though mm-hmm. um, and if he can deploy some sort of like stick and move game plan early possibly make in make in some big late kicks for the later mm-hmm. rounds it'll add up i think he can get deep in this fight um 
And if he gets into round four, he could possibly take this fight over and finish it. Uh, so I'm going to take Dustin here as well. And I will take a fourth round submission mm. for Dustin. Again, if you guys both went uh, Dustin, I was going to go BSD. And I have, yeah, we're screwing up your whole <laughs> yeah. risk it for the best. No, it's good. It's good, man. It's good. It's for the, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Um, These are just such good matchups, man. Well, you know, I'm like John. I went so back and forth all week. Could not decide. I don't think there's really a bad pick here. Um, because one thing that was like the five round thing was kind of the the tilting point for me. But one thing I was having a hard time getting is, man, I think Benoit Saint-Denis is Big. He is yeah. a big, strong dude. And when he unleashes that God of War, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe he just comes out and just bullies Dustin and gets him moving backwards and all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Because even going back to that Chandler fight, like Dustin got off to a bit of a slow start. In I that forgot fight. about the Chandler fight, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, and he cannot get off to a slow fight like that mm-hmm. against a guy like mm-hmm. Sandini because Chandler's got finishing power, but. Benoit Saint-Denis has otherworldly yeah. power. One point has had fights at 170 as well, so he's used to, you know, he's had some instances where he's been in there with big guys. So. I think for Saint-Denis to win, though, it's got to be inside of two rounds. I would be mm-hmm. really shocked if this thing goes deep, if mm-hmm. if he finds a way to finish. Um, maybe he'll still be dangerous in the later rounds, but um, I just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he does have the submission threat as well, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how. I think it'll either be a passing of the torch or it's going to be the old guard is still here. Yeah, and I don't really see this so much as like, you know, how we were talking about with the Rosenstroik and Guy Zeev or um, you know the guy that Umar fight like this isn't that much this isn't that crazy like right. Sandini has looked re- like he's ready for this level yeah. and I so I know he's taking a big step and all that stuff but I don't see it as being that outlandish so that was that that's the only thing I will and say I think that's regard. what that's what the tell is it's either going to sure. be he was ready for this or man maybe one more would have yeah, been a little agree. bit better yep hundred percent agree moving to our next featured bout now we get to you guys yeah. in the world. that was I was really like I think I. I was looking at Brandon yeah. like, three gonna, more? What? <laughs> are you going to do it? <laughs> Brock Lesnar? Or no, Undertaker. <laughs> you want to do it? You want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> Moving to our next featured bout and in the welterweight division uh, for just one point. So just need a winner. John, take it away. All right. And what's been the fight that I've been looking forward to the most since it was announced on this mm-hmm. card? We have one of the most exciting fights you can make in the welterweight division, in my opinion, with number 13, Kevin Holland, welcoming the former Bellator title contender, Michael Venom Page. Uh, MVP... Uh, is one of the biggest free agent signings the UFC has made to date. And uh, at the age of 36, with title fights under his belt already, um, he's looking to fast-track himself to, to the top 15 to for his de- or for his debut here. Uh, Holland is looking to bounce back after a loss from Jack Della Maddalena and will lean on his experience against some of the best in the division. Both guys have some high-level striking, but MVP has made a career of being a highlight finisher. And although MVP does have some submission finishes, Holland does hold a big advantage on the ground, I feel mm-hmm. like. And it would be wise to use his grappling to slow down the attack of Page. But with similar builds, skill sets, and even a flair for entertainment, I'm sure we're going to be seeing some fireworks. Brandon, who you got? So this one was kind of tough for me. I uh, I was thinking back to the big kind of transfers that we've had from the UFC. So I think of like Ashgren, which I know his mm-hmm. fight with Robbie Lawler, right? Like how that went down was kind of weird. But then Who do you think? Do you think did he tap? No. Okay. No, but it was still a win. Still a win <laughs> yeah. for Ashgren. Um, Chandler was another big one, and here we have Wait, Pitt. did they say he tapped or did they say he went out? He said he went out. That's like, what it was. It was like, it was yeah, like yeah, he stopped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, anyway, so for this one, I, I, I feel like Paige is going to have a lot of energy and a lot of that behind him. So I think that I'm leaning Paige here, and it's specifically mm. for that reason. He's got, he's got a slight advantage, I would say, on the feet in terms of his versatility with the kicks especially. And obviously um, Paige has the advantage on the ground. But 
I'm sorry, Holland has the advantage on the ground, but yeah. I just think that Page is he's he's been in this sport long enough. His 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 defense should hold up, I think, against a guy like Holland who's not a prolific wrestler. Um, so I'm actually going to lean Page here. So I'll take him for the win. I'm going strictly Michael Venom Page. I'm a big fan, so it's like a lonely heart pick. But also, he just has. I'm also looking at motivation. Holland's talked all the time about not wanting the title, just wanting fights, mm. blah blah blah. MVP didn't come here just to fight, like have cool fights with guys. He came here from Bellator to try to get to a title shot, um, get paid, and all those things. And at 36, you know, uh, we talked about the 35, 36 window. You don't have a lot of time here, so I think MVP gets it done. I would even venture to say that he knocks him out because I think Holland might get to talking too much and maybe end up walking himself into something. Yeah, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I think this is a fight Kevin Holland should win um, and probably win 7 out of 10 times, especially if he's using his full tool belt and all-around mixed martial arts game. However, we've seen from the Wonderboy fight, he is willing to not go to the ground in exchange for a striking battle and entertainment, as John said. Um, and if Wonderboy was able to catch Kevin Holland, I see no reason why MVP can't. A guy who I see as an even more dynamic striker than uh, Wonderboy. And I think not only from the Wonderboy fight but also the Jack Della Maddalena fight we've seen Holland struggle against guys who are just better strikers mm -hmm. um, which again I definitely see uh, MVP at that caliber of fighter um, I think Holland may even have a, have a hard time kind of tracking MVP down um, so barring Holland coming out and looking to grapple um, like uh, Michael Vintage I like MVP here um, I think if Holland does win it probably goes to a decision mm -hmm. um, but I have a feeling like John said I, I think Paige may finish him here I kind of want to go Holland though just because you guys both <laughs> took him but I'm a, I, this is one I feel pretty because I just don't see a world where Kevin Holland doesn't come out and try to strike with him yeah oh dude dude. I mean and just the trash talk that's going to happen like I think that they're like we talk, you know like a multiverse thing yeah. I think that Holland is like the American Michael yeah. Venom Page and kind of vice versa. And, and like I know, I know matchups are everything, but like you know, Wonder Boy and MVP are very similar in terms of their mm -hmm. style. And like, but to me, MVP is better. Faster, I mean, just a lot younger, a little younger, a little faster, a little longer. And the power, dude. And I mean, then right, well, and then Jack Della though, like he's a phenomenal boxer, and he mm -hmm. kind of just took Kevin Holland to school yeah. a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like when guys are just kind of better at strike, because Kevin just won't commit. And if now, if he does, I think he can ease. That's what I'm saying. Seven out of 10 times. If he's like willing to go in there and play the mixed martial arts game, but I just, I don't think he will. Dude, and just look at MVP's last fight. He literally kicked a dent into somebody's kneecap. Yeah. That was his last fight. And, oh. and yeah, he, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's put a dent in somebody's head. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like he's, oh dude, he's just, he's got some of the nastiest finishes in MMA history. And next to like Raymond Daniels, he's probably the best kickboxer that's, yeah, I mean, he, karate style uh, it, kickboxer. And if he wins this fight, uh, again, the UFC announced they're going to Manchester this summer. Like, they're going to overlook people. Yeah, There's, I mean, we got somebody who will sell. He's going to be, <laughs> I'm, I promise you, he will be in a number one contender matchup on mm -hmm. that on that fight card. It'll be a huge, huge fight if he wins here. Yeah. He'll probably be on it regardless whether he wins or loses. Mm -hmm. But if he wins, we're talking like, if not main event, probably co-main of yeah. like a really big Manchester card. So yeah. when they signed him, they <laughs> thought him and Leon London, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. And sticking with the welterweight division, Brandon set us up for our next 
featured bout, one I'm really excited for. All right, and our next featured bout, we have a number four, Gilbert Durinho Burns versus number 11, Jack De La Maddalena. And in this current standings, Gilbert Burns is 2-2 two and two in his last four fights, most recently losing via unanimous decision to Bilal Muhammad, um, citing an injury during that fight. I don't recall what round, but that is the uh, claim. I think it happened in the... The, according to Gilbert, it happened in the very first round. In the very first, he went for like a knee tap, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he said he threw his shoulder out. But like Bilal kind of like had a whizzer on him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it came from that or something. There was something in that first grappling exchange, mm-hmm. according to Gilbert. Yeah. Allegedly, J- <laughs> yeah. JDM still undefeated inside the UFC with six and zero currently in the UFC. In his last two victories, coming via split decision to the late notice replacement Basil Hafez. I yeah, think I can pronounce that right. And the split decision to Kevin Holland, both victories, but also both split divi- split decisions again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what we got in the next one. Well, who are you taking? I am going to take. Gilbert Burns. I just think that he's got a dog in him, like we saw that in the Hamzat fight. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those for me, like, again, the theme this year is veterans over kind of the new new guys, right? JDM is 28, I believe, 27, 28. Gilbert's older, still a veteran. I just think it's I think it's his fight to win in terms of he's got a little more tools in his tool belt. We saw some issues in the grappling department for JDM mm-hmm. against Basil. Um, I, I think Gilbert gets it done here, so I'm taking Gilbert. <sighs> It's so hard to go against Gilbert, man. I really like him, but I also really like JDM. I think that he's got a lot of um, a lot of motivation. A lot of that trajectory is is going up for him, and um, and his team has done a good job of making adjustments. He kind of had a little bit of a letdown with the Basil fight. Um, not kind of probably thought he should run through that. Didn't happen. Holland fight. I thought it was a little bit. With the Basil Hafez, wasn't there something weird? Like, didn't he make weight? Because he was supposed to fight somebody. It got canceled, and he made weight, and then turned around and made weight again that next week. And he kind of just tanked. Like, you can tell it just Mm -hmm. depleted him. So I guess, like, just adding a little bit of context again, I mean, it was kind of a weird scenario fight. Well, and sometimes when guys have performances like that, they might be a little bit too critical on themselves or might not. Sure. Because before that, what JDM was doing to people was just decimating people. Um, And then even in the Kevin Holland fight, I I didn't, I don't remember feeling like it was split. I I remember feeling pretty confident in Jack Della in that. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like that he just has a lot of the momentum. And for Gilbert, unfortunately, you know, he just hasn't been a chance to catch that momentum. He's had these fights. I thought, you know, I thought the Hamzat fight was really close. Then you have the injury. Like, it's just really hard to gauge where he's at because he hasn't been able to catch that momentum in the same way that JDM has. So I actually like Jack Delamelaine in this one. So you're going JDM? Yep. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I honestly believe if Gilbert Burns retired today, I think he's possibly would go down as one of the best fighters to never win a UFC title, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think he will get another chance at a, a UFC title shot. And I think uh, Jack is obviously a fantastic striker, as we all said, who could win this battle on the feet, more than capable. But I don't think Gilbert's going to look to play that game. Uh, Gilbert is probably one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, King Gordon said it, so go argue with <laughs> him um, but I see this fight potentially going kind of like the Neil Magny fight for Gilbert where he knows what this is another lower ranked guy coming to make his name off of him 
and so like you know i think like with the magni fight he's just going to come in expose where he's stronger where he is an elite level fighter um and probably get an early submission uh finish over jdm because as brandon said that seems to be an issue like tired or not weight cuts or not yeah there was no movement on bottom yes. like i get if you're tired and you're not able to be as explosive mm -hmm. there like you look at the fight just just today with umar how many times was his opponent just bucking consistently yep. from mount hip escaping mm -hmm. from yeah. bottom half like even if it wasn't as explosive that wasn't the case for jdm dude I, no i 100% agree so like i said i could just see this kind of what would gilbert's wife say before that fight like hey no playing around this one yeah, <laughs> like, up and get on the plane yeah yeah so i i could see his wife giving him another one of those like look let's not play with this dude this could you know just go yeah. in do what you do and get out of there. i think jdm will definitely have to obviously avoid scrambles avoid being up against the cage dude, if gilbert comes in here and wants to try to outbox jdm he's gonna he could get in some trouble because mm -hmm. i mean jdm's a, an elite level but i just don't think he's gonna he he wants he knows again that clock that shot clock's ticking, mm -hmm. right? He's got to get back in the title hunt. And you don't want to be, just like he didn't want to mess around with Neil Magny, you don't want to mess around with a guy like this because they're dangerous, they can beat you, and you're better and a right. very, you're, 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 where you're good and elite is so obvious to everybody. Right. Like, just go do it. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, and that's what he did in the Magni fight. So, right. uh, and lastly, boys, on kicking off the main card, not our last, be the first one on the fight night, our last one that we're officially picking for. Um, and the one, honestly, I think maybe the hardest to pick for, at least it was for me, in the Bantamweight division, number four, Piotr Jan. How is he still ranked number four? Versus number seven, Song Yadong. And man, uh, does Peter Jan need a win here, bad boys. Uh, he is on a three-fight losing skid and has lost four. Four of his last five. He comes into this fight off his unanimous decision loss to Mirab Dwalishwili one year ago. Um, and it doesn't get any easier for Jan here as he takes on Song Yadong, uh, who comes into this fight on a two-fight winning streak with back-to-back -back wins over Ricky Simone and most recently a unanimous decision win over Chris Gutierrez back in December. A win here. Huge for both of these guys. Mm -hmm. You could say there's big... Stakes implications. Um, there you go. Stakes on the line. I thought you were gonna say your dongs. So There's gonna be some <laughs> big dongs on the, on the scene. <laughs> Brandon, who do you like? Oh man, this one's really tough. Like you said, I, I honestly could not come away with a, a drastic piece. This one was really tough. Yeah, like yeah. as far as what's separating these two, I feel like they're really similar in terms of the way they fight. I think. Yeah. I like the activity for Song right now, I, and I like that he's a little bit younger. Um, I, I think it's, you know, the year off, essentially, for, for uh, Piotr. I'm curious to see how he looks coming back because yeah. he needs to change something. That was kind of what the talking point was for him last time was you've got to kind of add a wrinkle somewhere here because you're just getting beat in the kind of the same areas in his fights. So I'm taking Song. I, I think that he's he's younger. I think you're going to see a little bit more of the grappling as well from Song. He's been doing a lot of B-team videos. I like that. And I just think he's got some power that can really stifle so, um, Piotr as well. So I'll take Song Yudong for this one. Oh, man. I just still don't know. I was, <laughs> I, was, was tough I was hoping anything you said would help me like tip it, but I'm still There's in like the same I didn't know about though. the B-team thing. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you know before i made my pick i didn't know that i haven't seen him mm -hmm. well and the other thing about like with with yawn you also got to think like some of those fights obviously they've all been decision losses some of those he was very much in it just didn't go his way when you talk about the o'malley or even the last sterling one i think he beat o'malley um, that's what i'm saying so it's, it's kind of hard to see take the losses as necessarily he just doesn't have it as much as maybe he just needed an extra adjustment or even just different judges depending on who you ask um and for song i feel like he's done a really good job of building 
up. But I feel like he's also like the the Sanhagen felt like, oh, I hit that wall of, okay, this is where I'm at, and I have to kind of recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's looked good, obviously, since then. Taking out Ricky Simone, mm-hmm. in, and even in the fifth, that's a battle of attrition at that point. And, and to pull that off is is pretty crazy. But we've also never seen anybody like really put out Piotr Jan. So I don't, I don't know if how that works, if he'll be able to be slick enough to deal with him. Um, unless he does utilize the wrestling, uh, I'm going to go with Piotr Jan. Screw it. I think he gets back on track. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going Piotr Jan here as well. I know he's struggled for form lately, as we mentioned, but I think Styles makes fi- Styles make fights, and I think he matches up really well against Song in this one. I love that he's taking the year off. I think, Brandon, you mentioned it. You know, he clearly kind of needed that reset, um, and I think Jan could win this matchup on the feet, but I think where he can really take control of this fight is on the ground, actually. Now, I didn't know about the B-team thing, so <laughs> maybe we'll see what happens there um and i do wonder um if that's where a big part of this will play out mm-hmm. you know especially knowing that now um but i'll be blunt with you guys there is something about team alpha male guys that i just do not trust in these big fights mm-hmm. uh that team has struggled to produce a champ in a long time at this level or even one of their guys to get in a big spot like a championship fight um so maybe that's a bit unfair for a guy like song Dong, who is extremely talented and mm-hmm. young and like has all the potential in the world uh but brandon there's an old saying in texas and i'm sure it's in tennessee mm-hmm. but fool me once shame on you Mm-hmm. Uh, you fool me, you can't get fooled again. So give me Piotr Jan to yeah. get it done here. 100% agree. And probably by decision for what it's worth. I know we're not picking for that. <laughs> Brandon has no idea no, what no. just happened there. And it's like a double layer. Like certain people will get it, certain people will get it, and some people will get it twice. Oh, gosh. Oh, I love it. Brandon just so you should I wish yeah you just, Brandon's so confused a uh, mm. couple of quick I want to get a couple of quick more results boys because this card I mean not even joking like this may be better than 300 I don't want to say it's better than 300 but it, this is a crazy card so main event on the prelims boys Curtis Blades uh, returning off of his loss to Sergei Pavlovich taking on Gelatin Almeida. I believe this fight was scheduled to happen um, last year, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and Blades got injured. So they're rematching here. Brandon, who you like? I like Gelatin, man. I just think mm-hmm. that he's just got all the potential in the world. He's coming off of his his victories as well. I don't like the way Blades has looked in, in that last fight against Sergei. Um, I just think that he's... I don't like Curtis's stand-up, and I feel like that's where he wins. I don't think his wrestling is going to be able to hold out against Jolton's jiu-jitsu. I don't think he's going to be able to get it down and hold him the way he does to other guys. So mm-hmm. I just really like, like I just really like Jolton in this fight. I don't think he's going to have. A, I don't think Blades is going to have a chance to get to his takedowns because mm-hmm. Jolton Almeida does one thing: it's a one-two front kick, and he dives at you from a hundred feet, but it gets to you quicker than you can mm-hmm. see it. Um, and I just think on a heavyweight level, the amount of heavyweights who can get off their back has to be in the single-digit percentile. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good. And and what he can do to people um, on top of them and his finishing ability, I just think it's a matter of time before he gets to that title and really pushes one of the guys up there to have to like really prove their wrestling chops. Yeah. At least we forget the Derek Lewis fight. I'm going Curtis Blades, baby. <laughs> I You cannot fight Curtis. Dude, listen to me. Curtis Blades is honestly, the resume speaks for itself. I mean, the guy only loses to title challengers, title contenders, you know, guys of that caliber. Um I think he gets it. I think he can easily beat Gelatin Almeida. You you cannot. Gelatin, Derek Lewis knocked out. Uh, I know, is that, dude. Is that fair, what you're referencing? No, no, no. That's no. a weird reference. What do you mean? Derek Lewis knocked out? Curtis no, I'm Blades. saying like I know, but I'm saying like he only loses to guys that oh. are like elite level. And I'm not saying Gelatin's oh. not, but what I'm saying is that fight was in Brazil. 
and you couldn't go out there and finish Derek Lewis, and you were on top of him for like twenty minutes. Oh, you're talking mm. about Almeida and Derek Lewis. What do you yeah. think? Oh, what do you sorry. Think, what do you think Blades does to Joel? What do you think he does? How does he win? I, I'll be honest with you. I think I think Blades' boxing is a little underrated. I think, and I when think he's fighting Chris Dawkins, maybe. No, and I think hey. too. <laughs> Watch yeah, it. Yeah, don't make John mad now. Don't, we don't want John triggered. We need him for a couple more minutes. I think he can get it done, man. I think he can use his wrestling still. I would be very shocked if that's that much of an issue for him. I just honestly. feel like we, we've we never seen him get put on his back, and we finally have somebody who can do it. Got to do it first. We shall and he's see. Done it to, but he's done it to everybody, so. Caitlin uh, Chukagian, or as I'm seeing now, looks like she got married, Sir... Sermonera, but it's it's Caitlin Chukagian, <laughs> formerly known the fighter, formerly known as Caitlin Chukagian, taking on Macy Barber. Uh, Chukagian is has honestly four wins in her last five. She is coming off the one loss to Manon Fior, um, and then you've got Macy Barber who uh, off the big win. coming off the big win over Amanda Hebos, and she's won four, five straight. Excuse mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, who you like here, Macy Barber or Caitlin? The fighter formerly. This is probably the hardest one for him. <laughs> it really is. Um, if I'm picking with my heart, I'm going with Macy. Man, she she I became a massive fan over her after her last fight, to be honest. But I just think Caitlin's probably the better fighter. Um, she's she's the veteran in this instance. I just think that she's probably got more tools to get it done. But there's just such a dog in Macy, and she's isn't she Team Alpha Male? Or am I yeah. tripping? No. It, oh, sure? Macy. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I don't, um, no. So, so anyway, if I'm picking with my heart, I'm going with Macy. Is it? We're not doing actual picks for this. No, right? these yeah. are just for fun. So, hearts with Macy, and then. Uh, but if I had to actually put some money on, I'd probably go Caitlin. Yeah, I'm going Macy here. I think she's got the the juice right now, and they need a contender, and she knows she has a good chance to to really stamp herself with the win. So, I think she goes for it. Uh, I'll take Macy here. Yeah, it, it, this is tough though because the fighter formerly known as Caitlin Chukagian really only loses. To mm-hmm. ladies who yeah. their next fight is for a title. She's solid. Yeah, she's really good, and she's really technical. I mean, when she gets in that flow state, girls can't touch her. So mm-hmm. I I, I kind of want to pick her, but I I will ever so slightly leave Ma- lean Macy Barber, only because I do think Macy Barber is championship quality yeah. poten- uh, potential. I think so, Amanda Hebus had really good striking, and, and to yeah. do what she did to her, I think it can translate a little bit. Absolutely. Next fight, we're picking four boys. Kyler Phillips. We're not picking four, but you know what I mean. Stop looking at me like that, Brandon. <laughs> Kyler <laughs> Phillips versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, Kyler Phillips boys won two straight. Uh, Honey, Ronnie Barcelos and uh, Marcelos Rojo and Pedro. Whew, guy needing for a win. He's only won two in his last seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off the Marlon Chito Vera loss, but he only faces killers, man. I mean, yeah. look at this. This was his, this was Pedro's last seven. Aljamain Sterling, Frankie Edgar beat Jimmy Rivera, Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz, Sean O'Malley, Chris Gutierrez, who he beat, and then just lost to Vera. I mean, the dude only faces killers. Mm, was he finishing any of those? No, all no contests. Hey. Or all unanimous decision, yeah. I mean. Yeah, he was not finishing any of them. Yeah, I mean, again, for me, like, I guess Hart would be with Pedro, but it's hard to, as far as statistics and the more likely winner, I'd have to go with Kyler. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think that this is one of those matchups where Pedro definitely has a, a, a stronger chance to win. So mm-hmm. I, I'd probably lean Pedro in this one, to be honest. I'm going Pedro, man. I think he's bringing the leg kicks back. I think he, um, and like you said, he needs a win in the worst way. And I do think Kyler Phillips is a, a really good athlete. I think he's um, really hard to deal with, but I don't think that there's anything that Pedro hasn't seen. And I don't know that Kyler Phillips is at the level of the guys that he's been fighting. Yeah, it just makes me nervy because it's probably, I could see this one going to a decision, if I'm being honest. 
Oh man, I just I want again. I'll go with Pedro just because that's where my heart is. But man, Kyler Phillips is going to be a tough matchup for him. Got to do it for the team too, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of cap it there. I mean, you got you know Michelle Pereira versus uh, Mikhail Olashechek. That's going to be a fun one. Michelle, that's my pick. You want Michelle? <laughs> just want to let you know. Is okay. um <laughs> Brandon not a big Michelle Pereira guy? No, big uh, Michelle Pereira. Guy. What about Gamrot and RDA? Is that on here? That's yeah. what, it's on ESPN. It's oh, I skipped say. that one. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I didn't know if it got took off. No, ES, no. I, I know we always have problems with me using ESPN. I'm so. just scrolling. I just completely <laughs> skipped it right here. Yes. Uh, real quick. Matej Gamrot, uh, who is on a two-fight win streak, coming off the weird Rafael Fiziev ending, but beat Jalen Turner before that. That's always a good win. Uh, taking on, as we said, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, who just lost to Vicente Luque. Kind of had a stint up at 170. Comes back to 155 pounds here uh brandon who you like gamron really like gamron that one i just think if you what is that a crazy pick what rda gets gets out wrestled all the time i feel like gamron out wrestle gamron though no i think if i think if you had to this makes a lot of sense watch me be wrong because that's just the way this year's <laughs> been going but Preface. i just think it makes a ton of sense to see get gamron go out there and just completely out wrestle um uh, RDA. Louis, yeah, RDA. Like, Kies has done it. Like, I can probably name four different people that have done it. Um, but yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I'm going Gamron as well. I don't like the older guys going up and down. Um, and I do agree with the wrestling as well. I think that, um, and Gamron knows once again, another person who knows the value of you know getting on a streak and in the division he's in, um, getting these wins. And I just, I don't know, I just RDA hasn't had to wrestle as much as I think he's going to have to wrestle in this fight in a long time. And I think that Gamron's going to kind of put it on him. Armand Sarukian went one for eight against Mataj Gamrot in takedowns. Give me Mataj Gamrot by a trillion. <laughs> uh, Bet the house on it. Gamrot in that fight, though, went six of 21. Holy cannoli, Batman. Yeah, I think I, I like Gamrot to get it on. This is a weird booking to me. I mean, I think RDA is still ranked at lightweight, to be Probably, fair. Probably, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, kind of a weird booking for a guy coming off of a fight with Hoff, Rafael Faiz, uh, yeah, Faiziv there. So yeah, RDA is number 11 still. Yeah, that's just wild, man. That is definitely wild. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm, going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right. Well, after discussing what could be next for winners from last week's uh, UFC Mexico card, we were left with some determining factors, kind of like with the Brandon Roy Val situation. But this was for who should be next for the featherweight champion, Ilya Teporia. Uh, the biggest factor being what Alexander Volkanovsky wants to do next. Um, he did answer those, some of those questions in an interview on his YouTube channel, saying he was disappointed with his performance, um, saying it was, was it absolutely terrible? Probably not. Uh, but did I feel like myself in there? No, not really. Uh, he did credit Ilya for his game plan and his patience to stick to it, saying that he just didn't fight his fight and that he felt like um, the fight he was fighting to not get caught. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to want a rematch, so I can't give away too much. But yeah, I was disappointed. Then saying he's going to let the head rest a little bit. A break is obviously good for the head, so it makes sense. And I know I ain't fighting until the rematch, which isn't going to be until later in the year. Anyway, so it's perfect. <clears throat> right now, it just feels like there's no pressure on me to get back to things or rush anything, which also goes with the statement that the champ Iliad mm-hmm. made, saying that his next fight is probably not going to be until October, November. Yeah. So it seemed that although Ilya has called out a bunch of names, including Habib and all these other people, and even Brian Ortega saying that he would be willing to fight him in Spain, it looks like the rematch with Volk is yeah. their current game plan. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's what that seems like that discussion's probably already happened with the UFC. The fact that, you know, both guys kind of came out and echoed the same thing into the year. So, and I think that's perfect. Um, again, like 
wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Volk take a year off, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, that's – I mean, what do you guys – do you guys think that that's enough time? Two back-to-back pretty gnarly knockouts. So it's going to be about, what, 10 months, essentially? Uh, if you, well, it if just it, happened in February, March, April, May, June, July, August. 10 months is December. Like like nine, eight, eight, maybe and th- nine. And you're going to start getting hit three months before that because you're going to be in a camp. So, Poye was eight months from July to yeah. this fight. So, I don't know. But, but to be, f- I mean, I guess you know that Chandler fight was so crazy it could count as a knockout, probably in terms of the damage <laughs> yeah. it did. But you know, that's only for one knockout. Like he probably should have taken that after the. And Islam. Then I think Charles was before that, so it was like a. Well, they had a war with Islam in the first fight. I know, yeah. man. I know. It's just it's tough. But everyone's dude. different. Some guy like look at yeah. Clay Guida. Like some guys can get knocked out and then still go into fights. And I know, have but just he, as good of a chin. But he just showed that clearly there's something deteriorating there. And, and maybe that's, that's maybe that's just where he. Maybe that's him. Maybe he is just kind of starting to deteriorate in that way but it's hard to it's also it's also a point to be made that that although you could look at it as deteriorating it's also i don't think anybody who with the best chin that's the same age as Ilya is taking that punch like i mean because that's what he's been doing to people Fair enough like, here's my thing i don't think that volk necessarily did anything wrong no. in that fight like so i don't i don't know how the next like kind of burying my pick here i don't see how the next fight goes very different to be well honest. what he also said in that interview is that he knows going back look at it he kept on making the same mistakes as far as avoiding kind of dipping back and he said that he made uh, going back and watching it he made it easy for Ilya to make a read and land that punch by just doing the same thing yeah but like how many fights especially in title fights and, and, and I, I hate even asking this because i i really gonna could sound stupid because i'm not thinking like i haven't thought this out but it just hit me it was like in a title rematch, have we seen, especially if the champion loses, them come back the next fight and make the correction from Izzy. the first? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe Izzy. Win. win. I guess, like, the landing the overhand right. He almost landed it in the first fight when uh, two. when Alex got the belt. They and felt then, like four times. I'm talking about in the UFC, though. That We're talking about count. MMA. That doesn't get more. They felt the like only four. one I can think is... Uh, Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. You know, Nunez mm. kind of came back and teed her up a little bit. Kane. But yeah, and he lost JDS. to JDS, yeah, but I don't know. Enough. I think JDS had another fight in between that. I don't know if Kane did too. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. it's just I'm with Brandon. I mean, it's just I mean, what do you what do you do differently? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean. How it's do you like, feel about Ilya taking this much time after just getting the belt and being healthy? Like you really didn't take much damage. And you're gonna sit on that belt until the end of the year. I don't know that that's his fault. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think, would think that too. I think the UFC. That's probably more the UFC. Well, I know he wants to do the Spain thing. I, I guess I just feel like usually you see guys, line. especially on him early quick turnaround i just don't think it's as easy as like oh we're going to spain like we're gonna do it in may like it's just not that easy right no i I, I just probably that's the goal and it's hey man if you want spain you're gonna have to wait till november and if you're mm -hmm. helia like absolutely like you wait you know what i mean that's my guess invoke does deserve a rematch i mean Mm -hmm. just given what he's done in the division so that's but see that and like but like what we talked about though that doesn't mean though that Ilya can't fight somebody like yes when Volk's ready to go that's why I said like dude don't rush back because Mm -hmm. take your time because your rematch is there it's solidified you can whether it's Ilya or somebody beats Ilya Ortega or Max whoever like you're gonna come back and get a title shot but um it is what it is I guess so 
Um, Israel Adesanya did an interview with Theo Vaughn uh, that was put out last week. And in the interview, Izzy mentioned that he was ready to return and was called upon by the UFC to headline UFC 300 and fight current middleweight champion Drikas Duplessis. Uh, but Izzy said the DDP's team rejected the offer. Obviously, this wouldn't be the first time that DDP has stalled out Izzy. Uh, Izzy did say that after healing up his body and also said that he had some type of stem cell operation, um, but that he's back training hard and ready for whenever op- the opportunity comes around. Must got with Dana's guy, dude. Probably or Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's Tim. Oh Sonny. yeah, but listen, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, listen, the more that we do this podcast, we've done it for a couple of years now. Like the more we call stuff, right? You mm-hmm. so you kind of see the patterns. And we said that DDP who wasn't even the champion and wouldn't even turn around in three or four months to fight Izzy for the belt. He was the bang on. Dana said, you're next. You're number one contender. You get Izzy in Australia. And he said, no way. I need time Going to rest. Going on vacation. Going on vacation. And he wasn't even a champion. He was a challenger at that point. Didn't have a belt to his name, right? Mm-hmm. And we said, after he won that belt, and everybody's like, hey, his, he could turn around. He could turn around for UFC 300. And we said, ain't going to happen, son. No. He didn't turn around to fight for the belt. Now that he's champion, mm-hmm. you think he's going to rush back? Like, right. no. No. Not going to happen, son. So, yeah, so it'll not, be interesting to see whenever they actually do set I that believe up. Izzy, and I totally think that probably happened, and I guarantee he said no because he was not. I know there was that whole thing where his team said, we'll be ready. Stop. Yeah. Like, again, <laughs> you didn't come back to fight for the belt. Mm-hmm. So why would you take it now when you have the belt? You are the champion. You have all the control. When well, you had a chance to headline the biggest card right. of the year. Right. So right. Uh, also an interesting tidbit off of that uh, was a comment, not necessarily off that, but for Izzy, was a comment made by Kamara Usman in an interview saying that he uh, it was stinging to him that he didn't get a chance to double champion, but that it didn't sting in the fact that he didn't have to go up and fight Izzy, saying that he had no desire to fight his friend and fellow Nigerian, but had it been Strickland who was the champion when he was still the welterweight champion, he a thousand percent would have moved up and went for it uh, in terms of his plans for staying at middleweight or returning to welterweight he said the outcome of the izzy ddp pipe would be the main factor or a play sure. a factor in that decision fair enough yeah. um this next one is uh while most of the mma fan base was excited to see max holloway facing justin gaethje at ufc 300 one person was not so much of a fan uh habib has has counted as one of those <laughs> Uh, when asked about the matchup, he said, all respect to Max Holloway, but I don't know and I don't understand why the UFC, well, he said make this fight, but I said made this fight because he talks in the, with like them guys. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Holloway makes no sense in my opinion. Holloway is supposed to fight Taporia next, maybe in September. Justin is supposed to fight Islam in May or June. And then uh, Sarukian and Oliveira fight in April and whoever wins that would fight the winner of Justin and Islam. So no, uh, so Taporia fights who? Mavzar maybe, best of option. I don't know if Dana will give him the title shot he deserves it just makes no sense but why they don't give islam the fight with gaethje but saying islam is ready to fight anyone so he's saying it's going to mess up the rankings so evidently their plan was for him to fight justin and then fight the winner of no but i'm saying his reasoning for all of this is he said max coming up to fight gaethje messes up the featherweight and lightweight Mm -hmm. rankings because he's supposed to be fighting Ilya. who did islam fight in his very first title defense the featherweight champion who did islam fight in his second well i don't even want to count that one because he was supposed to fight Oliveira. i rest my case yeah like you, that you messed it up 
you you've held the division up now for mm-hmm. as like we said last week you've held it up now for a year because you wanted to fight the featherweight champion first I, and i get it i mean and like like we said volk deserved it pound for pound makes Very, sense yeah fine whatever but yeah you wanted that status you messed it up yourself already well, yeah, and, you know like and i think that i don't know i it just seemed like i said it seems like they had a game plan and guess what if max beats justin there's a good chance he's fighting islam next right yeah. Which, again, would be another featherweight <laughs> moving uh, up and fighting. Especially now that we know Ilya is not coming back to the end of the year, and we know it's pretty much guaranteed it's going to be against Volk. Right. You think Max is going to come back down to fight Mavzar Ivloyev? No, not when he has no. not when he has, not when he, no. if he has a BMF or in a chance at fighting at yeah. 55. So. And dude, have you seen Max? Bro, ma- listen. Max Holliswell, that boy is even good. Max bought a Bowflex. Oh, <laughs> did he? Yeah. Dude, he is know they made this. He's doing, he's doing the P90X boy. Yeah. Max <laughs> is looking thick. Yeah. Which is so funny because, like, back when, like, <clears throat> everybody, like, I, we had kind of started floating the idea of that. And it's like, everybody was like, Max is too small. I think we put a video out. Yeah. And that was, like, the most thing. Max isn't, he's not even a feather. He's not even lightweight. He's too small. God, if he's going, the whole thing, the thing we even said in the video is, committing up yeah. committing his body and he is committing his body up he looks good and just to see what he did with Dustin Poe without doing yeah. that in a last minute type of situation I just, like, I just like sometimes it's like like as fellow fans it's like other fans you sometimes see the worst of it and yeah. it's like just so simple-minded like you think this guy's gonna walk in there as like he does as 140 no he did that already against Dustin mm-hmm. and he failed horribly he's right. not gonna he's not gonna do it again against a guy who just knocked out the guy that beat him up pretty bad right like, he, he was always gonna get in shape for it or you know get his body prepared for it Go yeah ahead. so Sorry. the biggest takeaway is uh Max Holloway has a really good chance to mess up their whole game plan yeah. for Islam um yeah. and I think would be a very interesting matchup uh, uh just mm-hmm. to note be fun uh in one FC we had a crazy milestone as Anatoly Malikin stopped middleweight champion Rainier de Ritter to become the first three division yeah. MMA world champion. It's crazy. He now holds the current middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight titles, although it is noted that 1FC, they have different weights for their division. Mm-hmm. So their uh, middleweight is actually 205 pounds, yeah. their light heavyweight is 225, and their heavyweight is 265. But to even be fighting at 265 that's, and cutting to 205, still pretty. That's oh, ridiculous. It's, it's unreal, dude. And he beat Armand Bolger, Buller, I think is who it was, or Arjun, mm-hmm. Buller, for the heavyweight title, and that was kind of what I was getting out with the red card. Uh, Herb Dean gave Armin mm-hmm. a red card, um, and did you see uh, Citri, the one FC uh, president, responding to Armin or the mm-hmm. his? Oh, dude, he went in on that dude. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, basically said like India is going to be ashamed of him Oof. and. I mean, I, I didn't see the fight, but I guess he was just, like, straight inactivity. He wasn't trying to fight, and mm-hmm. Herb Dean gave him a red card and lost his title dude, that way. Bring it to UFC, man. Mm. I wouldn't mind it. It's an interesting thing. But, dude, those one belts, first off, are absolutely ridiculous. Dude, huge. They're way too big. <laughs> dude, like, I'm, I'm going like to show you the no. picture. And this guy's the heavyweight champion, mind you. They look and terrible. it looks like Oliver wearing, like, a regular like, oh, well, UFC belt. When, like, Mighty, when Mighty Mouse is holding oh, dude, They look ridiculous. It's crazy. They are um, ridiculous. But... I, I will say this, at any level of mixed martial arts, and one is a very reputable promotion, to be three-divisional is just insane. I don't know that he ever makes his way to the UFC, but it would be really interesting. He's I don't a, know that he would be a heavyweight. He'd probably have to be like 205, if I yeah. had to guess, maybe in the middle there. But you know, I also don't hate the idea of a 225 for like that tweener. Oh, dude, 
Yeah, I like know. I think they get some things right. And Raymond or that Renard de Ritter is a really good fighter. I mean, yeah. the dude's been the champion over there. I think he's been double champion before. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on that card, I, I sent it to you guys. Jared Brooks losing his title in a weird I saw that Kimura slam. spike slam. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know we've seen that before with Andrade and Rose, where it's like you're holding on to a Kimura yeah. and, and you're putting yourself in a bad position. But he got a DQ for that. But Jared Brooks is a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it back. Uh, some quick fight announcement. Bellator Belfast card has added some big names as Patricio Pitbull will be putting his featherweight title on the line against Jeremy Kennedy and James Gallagher will be facing Leandro Higo. Also, bare knuckle Mike Perry will be facing former UFC contender Tiago uh, Alves. Ugh. Tiago Alves, I almost said Silva. And lastly, for boxing this Friday, March 8th, is the huge Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou card. Francis coming off the split decision loss to current heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. Uh, they'll be fighting in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. You can watch it on Dan's in for 40 bucks. Uh, ring walk begins at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard. Fun night. You got Francis and Joshua and then UFC 299. I can't wait. That's uh, good. that's gonna be interesting. I have no idea what to expect from that. Here's my thing: is I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not obviously a boxing whiz. I feel like Anthony Joshua is a better boxer than Tyson Fury. No, mm, technically, I think, I think he does certain technical things. I just yeah. think that Tyson Fury is so techn- what so technical things like footwork and he's a little and, faster. Too. Yeah, he's just more agile. He uses like the ring generalship, whereas Tyson Fury just kind of walks guys down, leans on them, and lands big shots. Yeah, um, I, I think that. You know, Joshua could fight at cruiserweight and fight somebody a little bit yeah. faster and more agile. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying Francis is gonna get schooled by any. I mean, after what he did to Fury. But we've also seen Anthony Joshua gets wobbled a lot. Yeah. Anthony Ruiz really put him on his butt. Like he's. Oh, dude! Listen, if Francis Ngannou wins that fight, he's probably gonna be the biggest combat sports athlete in the world. Yeah. He, he oh, may. Dude. He may surpass Connor. Yeah. He may. He's. It, this is it, this. It, it's gonna be. Massive. If he if he wins and then if he knocks him out, oh my gosh, mm. the but, world's gonna burn. Oh, they'll, they're gonna they'll give the him a, they'll burn. give him a palace over there. Like he's yeah. gonna be, he'll never leave over there. Like why would you? Um, another thing, I don't know if you guys saw Habib uh, posted a picture on his Instagram. He was in like a helicopter, and they were flying over some stadium. I don't know when it was, where it was, but he put one six five with like the eye emojis. So mm. maybe a little hint that. Uh, well, and then Dana, I was kind of, you know, where's my tinfoil hat? Dana did say on the Nelk Boys this week, uh, Kyle asked him if, he's like, do you think there'll be like a big super fight in the next like year or two? And Dana smiled and he's like, actually one just came up. And he's like, mm. I can't say anything right now, but it's, Brother it's big. Connor. Mm. <laughs> Connor Habib, 165-pound title. Good Lord. Uh, last little thing I want to throw in is the UFC Fight Pass Invitational 6 is going to be happening uh, Sunday yeah, we at won't, 9. We won't have the things, but Saturday. you got Craig Jones and Lovato, uh, Nikki Rod and Jimenez and uh, Marigali and Denise, D-I-N-I-Z. So we'll see what happens with those. We'll have results, I guess, next week. Mm. So Sounds good. Brandon, Song of the Week. Oh, Song of the Week. We're going to go with Rob Bailey in the Hustle Standard, Work, Hustle, Kill, the Remix. I thought you would go... Brandon, of all people, I thought you would go Trick Daddy for Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami Fight Week. It's funny you say that. I was just actually working out yesterday and that song came up. I thought you'd go Trick Daddy, Pitbull maybe, mm-hmm. Gunplay. Yeah. Um, I figured that'd be more The only song I know, I think it's Trick Daddy, right? Let's Go. Yeah. Yeah, I know that song. Do you only like it because of the sample? <laughs> the sample. I, I... Dun, dun, dun. 
Oh, I forgot that was in there. No, that just makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, what's your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. So my best buddy moved to Florida, and uh, so that means I don't have a gym buddy anymore. So I had to go get a sandbag to just do a bunch of weird stuff in my garage, I guess, because I'm not going go to go to the started? gym. Yeah, I just this week was like my first week, and uh, had a huge piece of humble pie because mm. I can do like. You can I can do cleans and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff with a forty five pound barbell, no problem, like not hard. Put forty five pounds in the sandbag. And I was like, man. Yeah, I was like, oh, this will be about the same same weight, right? No, it's like body weight, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I, the sandbag is currently at twenty five pounds. And I'm feeling <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Twenty five pounds. So anybody wondering if you're going to start doing some sandbag work, start light. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely where you need to. Yeah, you go start too at. heavy, you might end up throwing your hip one way, and the mm, yeah, rest of it goes that. the other. But it's so, pretty yeah. fun. I've been enjoying it so far. Good. Nice. What you got, John? Uh, just a shout out to uh, supporting local businesses. Got some sweet Colts cards today. Got an autographed uh, Alec Pierce rookie and a rookie debut of Josh Downs. So appreciate There's that. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. Fool me one time. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Keep it. There you go. We, don't, we do not own the rights to that song. Do not uh, mute us on Universal <laughs> Music Group. Uh, that was for you, Brandon. I like it. Just had to give you a little reference. I'm going to do something different for my one of the people. I'm going to, you guys both, I'll explain it. So I want you guys both to recommend one movie to me. It has to be serious. Like, don't say like something stupid, mm-hmm. but a movie <laughs> that you think I haven't seen. Because here, I'm one of those people that kind of gets made fun of because it's like, you've never seen that movie? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I haven't. Um, so one movie that you guys think I should have seen, like you, you haven't, but if I've seen it, you don't get another pick. You only get one. If I haven't seen it, I have to watch it before next week and I'll review it. Mm. This is hard for me. Like I take too long thinking about this What's like one movie that you think like you've had to, if you haven't seen this, you're crazy. And then... In what sense, though? Anything. Like, like, it could be anything. But, like, don't say something stupid just because I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> just so you know. Um, just for time's sake, this is the first thing that came to my mind. There you go. And I feel like you could have seen it, but there's also a chance that maybe you skipped it. Did you watch the second 300? Oh, yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. I wasn't sure. It wasn't, like, a big one. It wasn't so. that good. Yeah. Definitely not as good as the first one. I do remember it. I just try to go with like something I'm thinking that you would like because the last thing I'm not gonna I'm gonna do is put in a movie and it's a big. There's probably gonna be a lot of people really upset with you on that one, John. Not gonna lie, like of everything you could have said. Well, I can say I'm doing it for times. What what happened? The second 300 movie. They could have sat here for 40 minutes while I tried to think of something. Oh my god! But you should. What you should have done is you should have gave us (laughs) that before the episode. You could have said like. The very like the the Star Wars remake. I mean, but like, but here's the thing though: we go to see a lot of movies together. The so the, to think of something you haven't seen isn't easy. Oh my gosh, dude! Like mm. you know, the world is burning. <laughs> Holy cow! John just mentioned. I almost forgot to even watch. I literally watched that at my first apartment. That's how long ago I watched that thing. Uh, the first three hundred or the second one? second one. Oh okay. Um, what happens if you've seen it? You just it? nothing. I just oh. we'll, we'll just segments over. I just, just won't. okay. So this one. Yeah. Because you're not letting me break it into categories. There's no category. Just anything. It does. It can be right, action, right. comedy. So let's let's go with um, Goodwill Hunting. I have not seen it. Mm, with Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Never Casey Affleck. It. All right, there it is. There Goodwill go. Hunting. I'll let you know next week. Okay. God. <laughs> At least it's not 600. <laughs> it's like good lord. 300 dude. <laughs> like, it's history, dude. Even, 
Do you have that movie poster? Like, who thinks about that movie? I was just trying to think of something I mean, quick. If you would have said 300, like... I know for a fact you've seen it. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. We, I, we watched the same thing. So. My, cl- my close second was Expendables, but I was like, ah, it's probably too, too out there. I don't know if I've seen that one. After, after he said that, I thought of like a beautiful mind, but I've already lost my pick. So. Yeah, lost your pick. Maybe we'll try again. Maybe we'll do like a song or something next mm. week. Video game. <laughs> there we go. Anime. Easy. <laughs> no, not anime ever in your life. <laughs> Come back next week. We will recap UFC 299. I can't wait. Um, and then we will get you set up with our picks and predictions for, I believe it's Tai Tuivasa and uh, Marcin Tibera. Marcin Tibera. Mm. Come back. We'll get you guys going. Till then, peace. peace.